Chapter Eleven of the Animal Storybook. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elaine Conway, England. The Animal Storybook, edited by Andrew Lang. Chapter Eleven: Stories About Bears. Baron de Vogan a french gentleman whose adventures with snakes are also curious was the hero of some encounters with a grizzly bear of north america first i would have you understand what sort of a creature he had for an opponent imagine a monster measuring when standing upright eight or nine feet weighing nine hundred pounds of a most terrifying appearance and agility and strength surpassing all other animals and cruel in proportion like his cousin the brown bear whom he resembles in shape he is a hermit and lives alone in the immense trackless forests which covered the rocky mountains and indeed at least in olden times the greater part of north america during the day he sleeps in the depths of some mountain cavern and wakes up at dusk to go out in search of prey all the beasts of the forest live in terror of him even the white bear flies before him he would go down to the valleys and attack the immense herds of buffaloes which grazed there and which were powerless against him in spite of their numbers and their great horns they join themselves closely together and form one compact rank but the grizzly bear hurls himself at them breaks their ranks scatters them and then pursuing them till he catches them up flings himself on the back of one hugs it in his iron embrace breaks its skull with his teeth and so goes slaying right and left before he eats one before the baron's first so to say hand-to-hand -hand, encounter with a grizzly he had been long enough in the country to know something of their ways and how worse than useless the shot is unless in a fatal spot after the return to her tribe of kalua a young indian girl who had been his one human companion in many days of wandering the baron was left with only his mule caddy for friend and companion and naturally felt very lonely he set his heart on getting to the top of the rocky mountains at the foot of which he then happened to be their glittering summits had so irresistible an attraction for him that he did not stay to consider the difficulties which soon beset him at every step no sooner did he conquer one than another arose added to which the cold of these high regions was immense and it constantly snowed after three days he had to declare himself not only beaten but so worn out that he must take a week's rest if he did not want to fall ill first it was necessary to have some sort of a shelter and by great good luck he found just at hand cavern in the rock which without being exactly a palace seemed as if it would answer his purpose upon closer examination he found that it had more drawbacks than he cared about all round were scattered gnawed bones of animals and the prince of bears's claws on the ground left no doubt as to who the last inmate had been the baron however preferred to risk an invasion rather than seek another abode and prepared for probable inroads by making across the entrance to the cave a barricade of branches of oak tied together with a flax a quantity of which grew near 
he then lit a good fire inside the cave but as the last tenant had not considered a chimney necessary the dense smoke soon obliged him to beat a hasty retreat besides he had to go out to get supplies for his larder at present as bare as mother hubbard's with his usual good luck the baron found first a large salmon flapping wildly in its effort to get out of a pool where the fallen river had left it this he killed and next he shot a young deer about a mile away and carried it to camp on his back in order to preserve these eatables he salted some of them with salt that he had previously found in a lake near and had carefully preserved for future use he then dug a hole in a corner of the cave putting a thick layer of dry hay at the bottom and buried his provisions indian fashion in order to preserve them as it was still only twelve o'clock the baron thought he would spend the rest of the day in exploring the neighbourhood first he examined the cave which he found to be formed of big blocks of rock firmly joined together above the cave rose the cliff and in front of it grew a fir tree which served at the same time to defend the entrance and as a ladder to enable him to mount the cliff as he could not take caddy with him he fastened him to the fir tree by his halter and girth joined together so as to leave him plenty of room to grace then he put some eatables in his game bag and set off on a tour of discovery when he had walked about three hours and had reached a rocky point from which he had a fine view of the surrounding country he sat down to rest under an oak tree he knew nothing more till the cold awoke him it was now six o'clock and he had slept three hours he started with all the haste he could to get back to his cave and caddy before dark but so tired and footsore was he that he was obliged to give in and camp where he was for night was coming on fast it was bitterly cold and snow fell constantly so he lit a large fire which at the same time warmed him and kept away the bears whom he heard wandering around the camp most of the night as soon as the sun was up in the morning he set off with all his speed to see what had become of caddy but though fifteen miles is not much to bears bought of their prey it is much to a weary and footsore man and when he had hobbled to within half a mile of the camp he saw that it was too late the bears whom he had driven away from his camp in the night with firebrands had scented poor caddy and four of them were now devouring him father mother and two cubs imagine his rage and grief at seeing his only friend and companion devoured piecemeal before his very eyes his first impulse was to fire but he reflected in time that there were four to one and that instead of avenging caddy he would only share his fate he decided to wait on a high rock till the meal was ended it lasted an hour and then he saw the whole family set off to climb the mountain from the top of which he had been watching them they seemed to be making straight for him and as it would be certain death to sit and wait for them he slipped into a cranny in the rock hoping that he might not be perceived even if he was he would only be attacked by one at a time he had not long to wait soon all four bears passed in single file without smelling him or being aware of him for this he had to thank poor caddy their horrid snouts and jaws being smeared with his blood prevented their scenting fresh prey when he had seen them at a safe distance he ventured to go down to the cave he could no longer call his own of caddy nothing remained but his head 
still fastened to the tree by his altar the barricade was gone too and from the cave came low but her unmistakable growls with one bound the baron was up the tree and from the tree on to the cliff from there he threw stones down before the entrance to the cave to induce the present inmate to come out in order that he might take possession again the bear soon came out and perceiving him made for the fir tree by its slow and languid movements the baron saw that it was curiosity more than anger that prompted it and moreover it was evidently a very old bear probably a grandfather whose children and grandchildren had been to pay a visit curiosity or not the baron had no wish to make a closer acquaintance and fired a shot at the brute by way of a hint to that effect this immediately turned his curiosity into wrath seizing the fir tree which he was going to use as a ladder he began to climb up a second shot hit him in the shoulder he fell mortally wounded but even after a third shot which took him in the flank his dying struggles lasted twenty minutes during which he tore at the roots of the fir trees with his terrific claws the baron did not care to waste any of his bullets now getting scarce in putting out of his pain one of caddy's murderers when finally the bear was dead the baron came down to take possession of his cave and at the same time of the bear's skin on penetrated into the cave he found that the rascal had paid him out in his own coin and in revenge for the baron taking his cave had eaten his provisions the baron was quits in the end however as the bear's carcass furnished him meat enough for several days the baron cut off pounds of steak which he salted and dried over the fire the useless remains he threw over the nearest precipice so that they should not attract wild beasts to keep him awake all night with their cries then having made a huge fire in front of the entrance which moreover he barricaded with branches he threw himself on his bed of dry leaves to sleep the sleep of exhaustion some time passed before the baron's next encounter with a bear he was camping one night in a dense forest sleeping as usual with one eye and one ear open and his weapon at hand already loaded his rest was broken by the usual nightly sounds of the forest of leaves crunched and branches broken showing that many of the inmates of the woods were astir but he did not let these usual sounds disturb him till he heard in the distance the hoarse and unmistakable cry of the bear then he thought it time to change the shot in his gun for something more worthy of such a foe this preparation made he set off at dawn on his day's march which up to midday led him along the bank of a large river he thought no more of the blood-curdling howls of the night till suddenly he heard from a distance terror-stricken cries he put his ear to the ground indian fashion to listen better and as the danger whatever it was seemed to be coming nearer he jumped into a thicket of wild cherry and willow trees and waited there in ambush gun in hand in a few minutes a band of indians with their squaws appeared on the opposite bank of the river and straightway leaped into the water like so many frogs jumping into an undisturbed swamp at first he thought he was being attacked but soon saw it was the indians who were being pursued and that they all men and women were swimming for dear life moreover the women were laden with their children one and sometimes two being strapped to their backs in a sort of cradle of birch bark 
this additional weight made them swim slower than the men who soon reached the opposite shore and then took to their heels helter skelter except three who remained behind to encourage the women the baron at first thought it was an attack of other indians and that it would be prudent to beat a retreat when suddenly the same terrible cry that had kept him awake in the latter part of the night resounded through the forest and at the same time there appeared on a high bank on the other shore a huge mass of a dirty grey colour which hurled itself downhill plunged into the river and began to swim across at a terrific speed it was a grizzly bear of tremendous size so fast did it swim that in no time it had nearly caught up with the last of the schools a young woman with twin babies at her back whose cries often interrupted by the water getting into their mouths would have melted the heart of a stone the three indians who had remained on the bank did their utmost to stop the bear by shooting their poisoned arrows at it but the distance was too great and the huge animal came on so fast that in another minute mother and child would be lost the baron could not remain a spectator of so terrible a scene he came out of the thicket where he was hidden and frightened the indians almost as much as if he had been another bear resting his gun on the trunk of a tree he fired at the distance of a hundred twenty-five yards and hit the animal right on the head it dived several times and the water all round was dyed red with blood but the wound was not mortal and it continued on its way only more slowly after urging the indian who seemed to be the unhappy woman's husband to go into the water to help her for through terror and fatigue she could no longer swim the baron took deliberate aim again and fired the second shot like the first hit the bear on the head but again without killing it it stopped the brute however long enough to let the poor woman get to shore where she fainted and was carried away by the men to the forest leaving the baron and the bear to fight out their duel alone the baron had barely time to reload and climb to the top of one of the trees when the bear was already at the foot of it so near was he when he stood upright that the baron could feel his horrid breath up to then the baron thought that all bears could climb like squirrels fortunately for him he was mistaken expecting to be taken by storm he fired straight in the creature's face the two balls took a different course one went through the jaw and came out by the neck the other went into the chest the bear uttered a terrific roar stiffened itself in a last effort to reach him and fell heavily on its back at the foot of the tree the baron might have thought him dead had he not already seen such wonderful resurrections on the part of bears but the four shots though at first they dazed and troubled the beast seemed afterwards to act as spurs and he rose furious and returned to the charge the baron tried to use his revolver but finding it impossible he drew out his axe from his belt and dealt a violent blow at the bear's head which nearly split it in two and sent the blood splashing in all directions the bear again fell to the ground this time to rise no more the baron being now convinced that the grizzly bear is no tree climber took his time to draw out his revolver to take aim and fire the shot put out one of the bears eyes the axe had already taken out the other this finished him but his death struggles lasted twenty minutes during which the tree was nearly uprooted 
when all was at an end the baron came down he cut off the formidable claws and broke off the teeth with an axe to take a trophy in imitation of the indians and then proceeded to skin him and cut him up the indians who had been watching the combat at a safe distance now came back enthusiastic they surrounded them the victor and the vanquished and danced a war-dance singing impromptu words the baron seated on the bear's carcass joined in the chorus but the indians not content with that insisted on his joining in the dance as well the rejoicing over the baron divided among the twenty indians the flesh of the bear about fifteen pound or twenty pound fowl to each the skin he kept to himself and the claws of which the indians made him a warrior's necklace hanging it round his neck like an order of knighthood End of chapter eleven